It might be fake baseball, but it's baseball and doesn't count in the standings, doesn't count in the box score, but it's going to, it counts in our hearts. That's what really matters. It counts in our hearts. I'm Justin Latta. This is Smoke Signals. And today I'm joined by good friend and newcomer to IVI, Spencer Carlson. Spencer, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and, and thanks for doing the podcast with me this week. How's it going, Justin? Uh, man, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I've been around the ballpark for years. Uh, I worked for ESPN 9700 about a decade ago, former terrible southpaw. Uh, so, huge Tribe fan. So, ready for baseball season to start again. Yeah, Spencer's been around baseball and around sports media for quite a while, has appeared in other random places. Um, around the last decade, like you said. So happy to have an IBI, pictured it on Tribe coverage, maybe some Rubber Ducks coverage, podcasting, and other various places that uh, we might need help out. You're going to be kind of our utility man. You're going to be our Mike Freeman. Hey, I am completely fine with that. (laughs) Really? That's not an insult? No, if my Twitter is as good as his, I'm happy. All right, the bar is low. I like it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's always good to just start at a low, a low bar. Uh, go ahead and follow Spencer on Twitter, scarlson29, if you have not already. Uh, he's already written a couple of uh, player previews for this year. He begged me to write up Jake Bowers. Uh, he really wanted to write that preview. Um, who else? Sure, you wrote Ben Gamble. I know you were excited about that one as well. Yeah, so. uh, Ben Gamble <laughs> and then uh, working on Billy Hamilton. All the superstars. Spencer's taking off yes. care of all the, the yep. big names on my yeah. league here. Our big money players. Big player. <laughs> yeah. So be on the lookout for those as they're coming out every day except for Sunday. On Sunday, even we rest. Um, even if baseball doesn't. So, yeah, baseball starts this Saturday. The Indians have a intra-squad game on Saturday against themselves. Uh, it's going to be... Oh, where did I put on Saturday? Who's going to pitch? Aaron Savali and Logan Allen are going to pitch for two innings. Kyle Nelson and Anthony Goes are going to get an inning. It's only supposed to go three innings. And then Sunday, the real fake games start. Uh, the Indians are going to send out Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie, James Karinschak, Brian Shaw, and Heath Embry. Right off the bat, those are some names that they're going to want to see in camp, except for maybe Karinschak because he's already got a spot, but the rest of those guys don't. I would say... Let's start with the biggest news, though, besides the fact that we have a we have pitching assignments for the first game or so, uh, is that Shane Bieber reported to camp testing positive for COVID-19. Again, mild symptoms, according to Chris Antonetti when he came in, but he is already back in camp and already throwing. So I think we can assume he's, he's perfectly fine if he's already back in camp and throwing. I mean, I hope he doesn't have any situation like Miles Garrett did, but if he's already back on the mound and, and gearing up to go, I can't imagine he's going to be behind the eight ball. Uh, agreed on that one. Uh, be thankful that it's not late March when he gets COVID. I uh, feel like that's always the setback when injuries happen later in spring. And this isn't obviously an injury, but COVID has a lasting effect. So with it being February, I think by the time April rolls around, that hopefully Shane won't have too many side effects from COVID-19. 
Hopefully not. Because the rotation behind him, we know, you know, it, it's, I think everyone feels good about the rotation, but at the same time, you know, they like a lot of experience. Like, like Zach, please, Zach's only pitched for a half a season and then he had eight starts last year because he decided to go on a, well, he decided to break quarantine, but he also decided to go on Instagram and blame everybody else for breaking quarantine. Um, and then Savali's pitched for, Aaron Savali's pitched for a year, half a year plus, you know, 12 starts last year. And then behind that, you know, you have guys like Tristan McKenzie, Cal Quantrill, Logan Allen, and Adam Plutko, who are essentially battling for the final two spots in the rotation. And outside of Plutko, I mean, Plutko has the most pro experience of all of them. Um, obviously not the best of all of them talent-wise, but, you know, we just don't know how these guys are going to hold up over a full season. And not only that, we don't know how last year is going to affect them by not having that full workload. So there's some uncertainty there. It doesn't sound like any of these guys are super concerned about, you know, pitching 180 innings or 200 innings. It sounds like they're, I mean, Aaron Savali is already ready to go three innings, he said. So I think most of these guys are prepared out of the gate to, to pitch every fifth day and, you know, go six, seven innings. <clears throat> That's what they prepared for. But um, the guys after that, maybe we don't know. And then we don't know if these guys can go and do it for six months. So it's talented, but it's, it's, it's an experience. Uh, yeah, there's definitely an experience. It's a super young uh, group who all have a bunch of talent, obviously, besides uh, Plucko, which, you know, with him, it's weird because is he the most experienced when it comes to age and career starts? Yes. And, you know, usually Frank Kona loves something like that. So you feel like you could spot him in the rotation due to manager, but he probably has the least amount of stuff out of the six guys battling for five spots. So you could hypothetically see what happens at four and five in the rotation is three guys who also can be relievers. So I think it's just going to come down to who looks the best in spring. Two of those guys obviously become four and five. One probably ends up going to the bullpen, and that guy can spot start. And obviously you have some guys down at AAA that you could probably rely on to pitch if there were injuries. So while it's worrisome that they're so young, they're very deep still. I know that's crazy with how many trades we've made over the years, but they're still probably six, seven, eight deep at that position at the major league level that would be competent. Yeah, it does go deep into the minors. I mean, the problem is your guys in the minors, like like Sam Henches and Scott Moss and Eli Morgan, none of those guys have pitched in the majors yet. So all right. their depth is really is really talented, but it's all inexperienced. Like none of those guys are you really know what you're gonna get to major league love for them. So it's gonna be a year of, of trial and error, and you really have to hope that the top three in that rotation, you have to hope Shane Bieber again is an ace. And you have to hope that the two guys are ready to step up. I mean, Aaron Savali was was solid last year, had some struggles at the end of the season. Maybe there was some bad luck there. Um, he says he's working on a new changeup and a, and a shorter arm path. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pitch, you know, just like a number three starter, almost maybe not like Trevor Bauer did in his best year, but kind of that mid-rotation guy that gives you, you know, six, seven innings and his ERAs in the mid threes, maybe the high threes at worst, like, I would, I would imagine Aaron Savali is going to wind up being pretty dependable and 
you know, if Zach Plesak can build off of what he did in eight starts last year, you have your bona fide number two right there. Uh, it's just a question if he can do it over a full season. But I don't think there's any – I don't feel any lack of, of hope or belief that they can do it. It's just they have to get out there and do it. But I, I really think that it's very possible. It's not like, you know, a flip of the coin whether these guys are going to be able to do it. It's I think it's extremely feasible. Your top three are going to be extremely good. and Right. The and, back half is going to be filled up by somebody really good. Right. And, you know, to play a little bit of devil's advocate with the optimism part of it is, you know, a lot of these guys, I'm looking at the list right now, didn't make a crap ton of AAA starts in their career. Didn't McKenzie just come straight up from AA? I mean, I don't remember him making a crap ton of uh, AAA starts. He may have done. And, and, and honestly, I'm convinced he can't, and until they say it otherwise – I'm 100 percent of the belief that he is going to AAA to start the year. I don't see he'd have to. I mean, Cal Quantrill and Logan Allen and Adam Plutko would probably have to be just so awful in spring training and, and just not be prepared to let McKenzie in the rotation. I think they're going to send the AAA and really finish off his development and and bring him along slowly. Maybe he goes three or four innings to start in AAA just to kind of manage his innings early on. I. I it would take a lot, I think, for him to break camp with the team. Maybe I'm wrong, but until I until I really start to see or hear otherwise, that's what I'm operating with the belief of. And that makes complete sense, um, you know, with him having that much time off and then coming in with the shortened season. It's completely different. You know, 2020 is 2020, basically. We're just going to throw that season out the window and pretend like we're going to go back to regular standards. Um, you know, sure. with Cal and Logan Allen um, – I have a good buddy, John, who's a humongous Padres fan. Uh, his Twitter is at Friar Faithful. Huge, huge Cal and Logan Allen guy. Um, was very excited when they got called up for their minor stints with the Padres. Um, these guys really haven't had a humongous chance in the major leagues at the starter level to show what they have. I mean, obviously, Logan Allen never has because the Indians rotation has been stacked probably since 2016. And when he was traded here, it was still very stacked. So he didn't really have that chance, you know, maybe a spot start in some relief inning pitches. But besides that, he really hasn't had that chance. You know, Cal was in the bullpen last year. His stuff's pretty electric, but uh, I know everybody's on the Quantrill train right now, but at one point, Logan Allen was ranked higher in him in the farm system for quite a few years. So he's, I think he still has the stuff. I think it comes down to the work ethic with Logan Allen, but I think those, I agree with you. Those are the three guys that are probably going to take the uh, three, four, five spots. But, you know, with, if Adam struggles, you know, I believe McKenzie's probably going to spot right in there, you know, May or June. Yeah. He'll be up by, by May or June. Obviously there's the, uh, the service time thing there that they won't talk about because they don't want to get, end up like uh, the Mariners CEO. That was quite a story. That was wild. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, for a man who's been working on Zoom for the last uh, year, I don't think I'd ever have a tirade like out that that could be easily recorded and distributed on social media. But he went and did it, man. Uh, God bless him. Uh, it's a complete mess up there considering they haven't been in the playoffs in 20 years. Uh, I mean, the best thing the Seattle Mariners got going for him is Ken Griffey came out with some new pair of sneakers. So, uh 
that's all they got really going right now. Uh, they got some awesome prospects who probably are not going to stay after that video. Uh, so it's very, <laughs> it's very unfortunate situation going on up there. And I know tribe fans, you know, we sometimes with 2021 feel like this is the worst it's been in eight, nine years, but it can definitely be worse. It could be worse. The, the mayor, last time the mayor had the playoffs, I was still in middle school. I remember I had to go watch that the Indians get eliminated by the Mariners in 2001. Um, yeah, after I, like sixth grade, I went over to the, the library, our school, our city library was across the street from our middle school and they had the game on there. So I literally went after school to the library just to watch the game and watch the Indians get eliminated. That's how, that's how long it's been. I just, you know, I'm past 30 now. Yeah. Well, let's, I can put it in the same aspect. The last time I saw the Mariners play in the playoffs, we recorded it on VHS. So it's been a while. Oh man. Yeah. VHS was definitely still a thing last time they were in the playoffs. Uh, you brought up a good point with Logan Allen too. I think, I think Allen has probably suffered from some post prospect, Pipes, uh, I don't know, fatigue. Fatigue's the right word. Post prospect fatigue. He's not a prospect anymore, but you know, he had some time in San Diego before he got traded in Cleveland. He pitched only out of the bullpen in twenty nine in uh, twenty nineteen, and didn't really have like a consistent uh, schedule for him to pitch as far as bullpen or rotation. And same thing last year. You know, he was up and down between East Lake and, and Cleveland and was pretty much just a, uh, a mop-up guy. Like, they have not given him any consistency in terms of what he can expect for his role to be. So, and, and, you know, of course, he didn't really have time last year to work on anything because there was no season. And that was the hardest part. When I talked to, to uh, James Harris, who's the director of player development at the end of the last season before they went to Instructs, is that, you know, he mentioned that the guys at the AAA level, like the Bobby Bradleys and Yu Changs and Logan Allen fits here, the guys that have already kind of been to the – the peak of the mountain and just are ready to break through or, or need a chance to, it was hard for them to create a developmental environment because most of the other guys they're playing in camp and their squad games are, you know, they're facing Tyler Freeman, Nolan Jones who, and Bo Naylor and George Valera. Those guys are great prospects, but they're, they're an A ball. They're in double A and it doesn't really help a Logan Allen to face hitters that are a level or two behind him. He needs to face major league hitters and, guys that are closer to the major leagues to finish off his development. So I think he really lacked an opportunity last year to, to develop, but you know what? He's in camp this year. He's down. I think he said he was down 25 pounds, 35 pounds. I could, I, I, I'm not sure the exact weight, but I mean, he looks good. You know, he said he's re- reworked his delivery. He feels more athletic. Um, he's been tuning a slider since last year in camp. So yeah, I think he's definitely had some post prospect type fatigue and, and, like you said, he was ranked above Cal Quantrill, so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes into camp and looks really good and motivated and for the first time looks like he might finally earn or have a chance to earn a regular role. And I think that makes a, a world of difference to a prospect when he finally feels like he's in line to to claim regular playing time. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, with with the crazy thing with Logan Allen is in a pre- COVID world, not only the part with him, which could be, you know, psychological with all minor leaguers, obviously, is not only are these guys not able to play a season, which they're used to playing baseball since they're probably four or five years old. If they do go play or if they made the major leagues like Tristan McKenzie, they're playing baseball for almost the first time ever with no competitive aspect to it with 
uh, and an advantage or a disadvantage with fans. It's just a completely empty ballpark. And, you know, that's a huge psychological thing for a lot of these guys that they're so used to. So there's a lot of parts of baseball within the last year that aren't really actually factored in. And with Logan Allen, I mean, you can see with his social media, he's very in tune with the fans, even since he's got here. But for him personally, he's been stuck in what you would call like that purgatory. No, he is that quadruple a player, but he's not at the same time because he has way more talent than what you classify quadruple a player. He has that stuff. I mean, he was ranked up there in the Padres system when they were ranked the number one in major league baseball with the Tatis juniors who just got $340 million and the McKenzie Gores. I mean, the guy has talent. He was striking out more than a batter an inning in the minor league level. And he wasn't giving up extra base hits. His walk numbers were low. His stuff is there, but he's never really been able to translate that to Cleveland because, you know, you have three things there. You have young guys really don't play first in Cleveland. You have a rotation that was very much stacked that has now been traded away. And then you had COVID happen. So with like Cal and Logan Allen and all these other guys, we've been waiting to see forever. Now for 2021, this is finally the chance we really get to see these guys. And the optimism is not only do these guys have the stuff, but the Indians have an amazing track record for producing talent out of these spots. Yeah, for everybody who is just as excited about Cal Quantrill's chances to make the rotation and to make the leap from, you know, because he has got, got a pedigree, obviously. He was a, a big-time college pitcher who – you know, had some flaws, and I know he had Tommy John. But, you know, he's got major league bloodlines, and, you know, he's been ranked pretty high. The one thing both of them have is that I think is a, a prerequisite to being a major league starter right now, if you're going to turn the lineup over two or three times and you don't have, you know, I don't even know if you qualify Shane Bieber this way because, I mean, Shane Bieber is just a freak. This is how he command the ball, but. You know, unless you have the electric stuff like, you know, Tristan McKenzie or uh, Carlos Carrasco, those guys just have nasty stuff all across the board. Um, is that changeup? You know, Logan Allen, his best pitch is that is that plus changeup, and that was the best pitch Cal Quantrill had coming out of college, and they've had to work off their fastball, and they've had to develop their, their curveballs, their breaking balls, uh, both of them. So, you know, the Indians helped them each make a tweak or two on their breaking ball, and um, they already have that change of it, to keep opposite-handed uh, batters off of them and, and turn that lineup over a couple times. Uh, both of them have, you know, average to, to fringe average command. But, yeah, so everybody who's excited about Cal Quantrill, you're absolutely right. I think Logan Allen is a guy a lot of people are sleeping on because, you know, he just hasn't had the, the opportunities. I mean, I mean, Cal Quantrill, who came over in the trade last year, pitched more than Logan Allen. That's wild that, that – you know, Logan Allen never even got any of those opportunities outside of mop-up duty. I mean, remember they used Cal Quantrill in, in an opener role, like against the – was it the Pirates, like the White Sox, the last two weeks of the season? Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't did, even, they they didn't didn't even go that. to Like, that's amazing. And not, 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 that, not that Cal did a bad job, but Cal did a great job, and I think he's going to be good as a starter. But it's just wild they skipped over Logan Allen for that. And, you know, like you said, I think uh, he's the guy who got lost and could be a huge breakout – you know, arm in terms of the way the Indians have developed arms the last few years. Yeah. So running a little bit off of what you said there, I'm so glad that you brought up Carrasco because when the people, 
you talk about Carrasco, like when we we've have traded him away, people forget when he was traded that Cliff Lee trade. He was a late bloomer in that trade for becoming a successful starter because he went through his growing pains just like Kluber did. Here's the thing with Logan Allen right now. He's 23 years old, and he's made four major league starts. That's it. That's all he's had in his minor league career. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers now. A 3.31 ERA, uh, about a strikeout an inning, 9.4 strikeouts per nine. Walk numbers aren't terribly high. Home run numbers are down. 1.2 whip. Like, the very, very solid numbers for a lefty that you want. Yeah, he's been. It feels like he's been around forever. I mean, he's been in Cleveland for two seasons or or two half seasons, I guess, if you want to call it two quarter seasons. But he was the high school draft pick of the Red Sox, and he was sent to the Padres as part of that Craig Kimball trade. But that feels like forever ago now. Honestly, I think we've all aged so much with twenty twenty right. and twenty twenty one. But yeah, there's there's the Logan, the complete Logan Allen backstory if you needed it. Uh, so those two <laughs> guys, I I. I if I was putting money down today without seeing any anything happen in camp, my money would be the rotation being Bieber, Plesak, Savali, uh, Logan Allen, and Cal Quantrill, and Adam Plutko is kind of your long man to help maybe bridge some innings early on out of the gate. Cause, and you know what? They don't even need a fifth starter for a while. They have enough off days where they can get by without it. So if one of those guys might go to AAA, you know, Plutko's out of options, so – Either he goes to the bullpen or they, they, they finally cut bait with him. But um, I could see him kind of serving as a long man early on until they kind of figure that out and, and figure out where they want to go with that. But that that's where my money's at on February 20th, 23rd. Right. So obviously, obviously spring's going to play a huge part in this, but we're, we don't really have much to go off of in the last year and a half, obviously. But, you know, if I was a betting man today with, you know, Cal and Logan, being three or four I think Cal stuff's electric I think he has a couple things to figure out between being reliever and starter stuff but his stuff is I mean it's incredible and then with Logan I mean I would honestly look back to his last full season that doesn't involve another baseball team where he was just with one team he spent double a and triple a when he was 21 in 2018 with the Padres he went 14 and six with three ERA I could see very similar type of numbers, maybe a little higher ERA getting, you know, his first year taste in the majors, but you know, 10 wins, a four ERA out of that four spot. I can very much see something like that out of Logan this year. Same thing honestly goes for Cal. And I think their strikeout numbers, especially way strikeouts are today will be, you know, depends on obviously how many innings they pitch, but you know, I could see a probably, you know, a strikeout an inning, maybe a little lower. So I actually feel very optimistic, which is crazy for how many starting pitchers we have traded in the last three years. Yeah, it's amazing how this rotation is literally going to be turned over, you know, except for a couple of guys. And I know police seconds of volleyball for 2019, but it's just amazing the amount of turnover and the guys that have been, you know, 2019, they even still had Corey Kluber, they still had Mike Clevenger and Trevor Bauer and Carlos Carrasco, and all of those guys are gone. The only guy that's back from the start of 2019 was Shane Bieber. And that's when he was the, uh, the fifth starter opening day. That just tells you how much things can change. And, you know, I guess just proves what this organization can do with pitching. I would also say with, with Cal and, and Logan, you mentioned the triple a numbers, you know, you can all, almost throw those numbers out because they played in the Pacific coast league, which is, you know, obviously a nightmare for pitchers to play uh, pitch in because of the, uh, 
ballpark dimensions and, and just the way the ball travels in those areas. Right. Absolutely. I, you know, if you, if you dive, you may have the free time to dive into these guys scouting reports when they were very young. I mean, Logan was good from a very young age. I mean, the guy's still, I mean, he's 23 years old, which is insanity, but, um, these guys have that talent there. They're just waiting to burst through that door. And I mean, credit to um, the organization for like, Hey, let's go find these guys. You know, we'll stuff them. And when we make trades that will help us, you know, in other areas, we will give these guys their shot. Now, obviously you have a little bit, you can agree with me on this. You have a little bit of leeway there because uh, we've watched over the eight past seasons and I'm a huge Terry Francona supporter. I've met him. I love him. But at the same time, he's very more veteran-centric to letting the 23-year-old guy get 30 starts. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, you could you could realistically see April 1st, you know, Pluko could be the free starter because he's the oldest. He's played that many major league seasons. Does he have the stuff of these other two guys? Absolutely not. But he's the veteran, so... And you know how Terry Francona feels about his veterans. He will give them that long leash. If he falls in love with a guy, he will give them that very long leash. And that's why his players love him. But I think we're at a point with this team where you don't really have to give that leash because there's not that many veterans on the roster. So you might as well see what you got. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this year and how they construct the roster and if he'll have a say in that roster because you have some minor league deal guys who are veterans, will they get a major league roster spot because they're veterans over some of these prospects like you and I would like to see on the roster, specifically because Terry is the head coach? I think they'll try to balance some of that. I mean, I absolutely expect Plutko to be on the roster come opening day. I, I will not – I would be more shocked than not that if he's gone. Like, A, he's the most experienced player outside of – um. I guess Jose Ramirez is the longest tenured player, but, you know, Plutko was also the, the uh, team's second player rep for the union last year behind Francisco Lindor. So I wonder if he has also assumed the senior player rep role for the team. So that, that plays a factor into it. Absolutely. I, don't know. It, I mean, I, I get your point. It's just he's going to be forced into whether he likes it or not this year because of the guys in the rotation that are new. I mean, this is the first time – I'm trying to think the last, the last time that spring training opened and you didn't know there were multiple spots in the rotation. You weren't sure how they were going to play out. Like they have op- plenty of good options, obviously, but like, it seems like I want to say going back to 2015 was maybe the last time you went to camp and you were like, Oh, I don't know who's going to be in the rotation from opening day. Like that's, that's yeah. the, I mean, I think I feel like at least all five or four of the five were spoken for before camp even started and it's going back that far. Yeah. And as long as someone has a roster spot, they have every opportunity to make their season worthwhile. I mean, I can remember when the team broke camp where Corey Huber was the 25th man on the roster. And I can also remember when they broke camp when Jose Ramirez was the 25th man on the roster and he was a utility outfielder. Uh, <laughs> so um, you just make the best of your opportunity. So as long as, you have a good spring and you have a roster spot. If you have that playing time and you do well, you will be rewarded by Terry. So that's where it's like, as long as you have that spot on the team, 
you will have that chance. You're not going to ride the pine, although Twitter will tell you otherwise, obviously. But um, <laughs> if you show effort and you play well when you're at the major league level, you not only will get at-bats, but you'll get innings pitched. And I think that show is from Shane Bieber. Like you said, five-starter and, you know, wins the side young. It's, you know, as long as you have that roster spot, you have the availability to show what you have. So it really doesn't matter if you're three, you're four, you're five, you're still starting every five days. So um, now obviously it's different because if you really dive deep into it, you know, who you're facing. I mean, if, you know, Adam Pluko is facing the starter for like, the Nationals or the Astros, whoever's uh, starting rotation is stacked these days, the Dodgers, he's probably not going to fare very well compared to him facing the five starter. So that's where you kind of let the young guy be the three or four starter. So those are all things Terry's going to have to think about this year. And it's a whole new different aspect. I mean, we really are in a new territory of when we usually broke camp, you know, 18, 20 spots were perfectly accounted for, and you just had some tweaking to do. There's not just a little bit of tweaking to do this year. There's a whole new roster. You have a lot of young guys who've been on the roster, but they've never had playing time. Yeah, this is definitely the the camp with the most uh, spots that could be up for grabs. We can probably move on from rotation now. Right. Just got a lot of time on it. Um, but the bullpen is is one of those areas. The bullpen lacks as much experience as the rotation, which is even more interesting. And I kind of wonder if there's going to be some yin and yang balancing, you know, to combat one or the other, you know, do you send pluck to the bullpen in April? Do you make him a starter and you go with some younger guys in the bullpen or do you, you know, take some younger guys or some older guys that are on mildly contracts in the bullpen and add them to kind of counteract the youth in the, in the rotation. Um, obviously, I think they're going to take the guys that they feel are best equipped to help them win in April. But the only guys that are, are you know, guaranteed jobs in the bullpen, I think, today are, are James Karinczak, obviously, Emmanuel Classe, Nick Wickren, and Phil Maton. And Nick Wickren is the, the wily veteran of that group. And he's been with the Indians for three years. And he's been in the majors, I think, for five or, you know, going back five years. Well, so, I don't want to interrupt you, uh, uh, Oliver Perez did take time off from the second world war world war to come oh. back and pitch another season. That's true, but he's not on a major league contract. So there's no, there's but, no guarantee he's uh, in the bullpen right now, even though I, yeah, I agree. He, he probably once will. Again, not to ever toot the horn, but Terry Francona is the manager. So I think he has pretty much a, as long as he doesn't blow his spring out and he's has a two war. I think you probably lock him in for a left-handed specialist spot. Uh, almost for certain. Yeah, I, w- I would probably say, okay, so you've got five spots playing. That leaves two or three open, depending on how they want to do this. Um, if you consider Oliver Perez a guy who is definitely going to make it. I mean, you're sorting through a lot of guys. You're sorting through Kyle Nelson, who's on the 40. Um, Cam Hill is not going to be available early in the year because of his offseason car accident, but I mean, he's okay, but he's not – they said he's not going to be ready to pitch uh, in spring training. So, he'll eventually go to the probably the 60-day uh, IL. You know, you've got um, Trevor Steffen, who is a Rule 5 pick, who has to be on the roster or return to the Yankees unless they can work a trade out. 
he's got experience starting. Maybe they can use him as sort of a a, a longer outing type guy. Like you said, Albert Perez is there. And then Anthony Goes is competing for a spot, maybe. I don't know. I don't know you if know, Anthony Goes is – he, he's an electric left-hander. You know I'd love crazy to see it. But... I have a, a crazy gut feeling that he's going to light it up. You know, those story, those weird stories happen all the time where you have someone who's played a previous position and then switched positions and then ended up becoming electric and making a major league roster. I mean, we're going to get to see him pitch on Saturday, but I have a feeling, you know, I mean, when you throw hard, if you can get it around the plate, who knows, man, if, you know, if he has a one ERA in spring and seven appearances, he might get that chance, which is crazy to say, but you know, electric stuff goes a long way in bullpens these days. It doesn't really go by if you're crafty, this isn't, you know, 1995, 1990 anymore. I mean, if the harder you throw or the bigger your slider, as long as it's around home plate, you'll probably end up getting a spot. Um, I'm looking at a lot of, yeah, well, unfortunately, it's just the left-handed <laughs> Rick Vaughn. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, that's fine. We need some electricity in this uh, team this year as long as people are watching. So, um, you know, I'm looking at some of these other guys at the lower part of the bullpen. I mean, they've all at one time, you know, had that chance or want that chance to, you know, break through a roster. But none of their stuff, I'm, you know, wows me. I don't, I mean, honestly, at that bottom of that, I think it's just going to come down to spring. You know, honestly, it's just going to come down who had, you know, the good five, six, seven innings in spring, who was consistent. His, his walk totals were down. His, his whip was down. Um, He was around home plate. He wasn't giving up home runs. Uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think February, you can really uh, say who those two guys will be because uh, we've seen it before where, you don't know who those two guys are until the spring training happens. So, uh, I just evaluate based on what guys they think are going to carry well into April right. too. I mean, like like Blake, Par- Blake Parker is an interesting name. He's done it before. I actually wrote him up uh, the other day. He's going to run this week as our one of our player previews, and I'm super intrigued by his splitter. We could talk about that more. But like Keith Hembry, like you said, has right. past success. DJ Johnson got a little bit of success. And then obviously we know about Brian Shaw, but the thing to know about Brian Shaw, I want to bring up is he's lost. He's gotten a better shape. He looks a little bit leaner, I guess. Um, tweaked his mechanics. And I guess he's throwing a four seam now. And supposedly he's throwing a little bit harder. So I would expect Brian Shaw to get a long look. I mean, it, wouldn't shock me if Brian Shaw and Oliver Perez both opened the season in the Indians. It's, it's it's a crazy world we live in uh, in 2021, but I can't disagree with you. Um, while he was such a logjam for us for so many years, I just, you know, having a 95 mile an hour fastball hypothetically in February is great. Does he have it in June? Um, is is Does he stay slim? Uh, can he keep those mechanics? Uh, cause he was very herky jerky out of the bullpen. Um, and his age is up there. So just a lot of things working against him. Uh, you know, it would be an awesome story. Honestly, it'd be really cool, uh, to have him back out there. Uh, he throws 40 innings this year and has a sub three ERA. that would be, uh, the Cinderella story, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think if, if anything's going to get first, I think it's probably going to be his arm. Uh, you know, we saw his speeds in Colorado. 
Um, and they just kept diminishing. So let's just kind of like hope for the best in spring, but he is the veteran at the same time. So I think he probably might make the roster. Isn't there something to be said though, for throwing out what guys do pitchers do in Colorado, because you know, they, they have to adjust back and forth so much and, and they, a lot of them end up better when they leave. And I'm not saying he's going to be back and going to be like, you know, a, a above average setup, man. Like, I, I think there's I'm – not, I'm not saying it's going to be anything. I'm just saying – I am I mean, the thing that really wears on him is, is obviously the wear and tear in his arm and the innings pitch. I'm, I'm less concerned about what he did in Colorado than I am overall what his arm looked like when he left Cleveland because of how hard they worked him and, and what he's got left in the tank. I could give two, you know, two shits about what he did in Colorado. Right, and I, I definitely agree with you. And it has nothing to do with his numbers in Colorado. Um, Because, once again, you can't throw those out. I mean, you could basically throw that out, you know, against a lefty lineup in Yankee Stadium. I mean, I agree with you. I think it was just at the velocity that he was throwing that was very concerning because I don't think the Colorado air made him throw any slower. Uh, I just think he's, you know, you saw Cody Allen retire Andrew Miller's on his last leg when he was in St. Louis. I just think those guys are out of gas. Um, it's crazy how starters and relievers are completely different in the way that their arms are conditioned, but it's just a true, you know, statement of the fact when your arm goes, it's very rare that you refine that. The only person that I could think of off the top of my head who I thought lost it and then regained it was Justin Verlander. And by some miracle, he, you know, he upped his fastball again and all his off-speed stuff was good again, but it's very, very rare. This is a starter. I would say as a reliever, it's it's not impossible to reinvent yourself. I mean, I know people hate Sergio Romo in Cleveland because of last year, and he's just a, uh, a a goof. But you know, he's he's stuck around by you know not reinventing himself, but he's been he's got it done different ways. Um, uh, Brian Shaw, and <laughs> yeah, Oliver Perez, you know, is is a prime example. He is done different things and kind of not reinvented himself, but he's a date adjustments. And, and who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Tyler Clifford. Tyler Clifford was a good closer for the, the Nationals early on in his career and through like 95, and now he throws barely 90. But, you know, he's found ways to adjust. Now he's back with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but there are examples out there where guys have been good relievers in their prime, have seen their arm just look totally cooked, and then have found ways to go back and, and – try different things. So I don't, True. I don't think it's kind of their own possibility, but there's a correlation between all those guys and what Brian Shaw is not doing. All those guys reinvented themselves as reliever, Jamie Moyers. Uh, Brian Shaw is still trying to throw hard and uh, you know, he's trying to throw hard again. Sure. He has not reinvented his pitch. He has not discovered a 70 mile now, 79 mile an hour slider. He's not discovered an 82 mile an hour cutter. He is still just trying to throw uh, as hard as he can and ha- hope it has some movement on it. And once again, for how much he's meant to this ball club and giving us God knows how many appearances over three or four seasons, I really do hope for the best. I mean, if, it, if we sign Andrew Miller to a minor league deal tomorrow, or if he was traded to this ball club, I would hope the best for him too, for how much he did for this team. But sometimes you just look at it and if you can't reinvent yourself, the way that Sergio Romo or Oliver Perez or Tyler Clipper did with a very slower, effective pitch, you might just, you know, right off into the sunset. I think that's what Cody Allen uh, noticed. He's just like, you know what? You know, I had it good. 
I don't have that same flame in my arm anymore. I'm just going to, you know, call it quits. And we're just going to end up having this. Yeah, it is, man. It's hard. And so I think we're just going to have to see what happens. And, you know, maybe it's an awesome little thing where if he has a, a crappy spring, you know, he gets to retire with the team that treated him the best. And maybe he retires, you know, you don't know, you know, he's just like, you know, I gave it a shot and it just, it wasn't happening anymore. So I'm just going to retire with the Indians. And, you know, that's one of those things that would not only make the Indians happy, he's here to retire, but I feel like that'd be good for him and his family too, because he had his most success here. Yeah. I mean, so he, he did say someone, I did see that he has added a four seam fastball. He did say he had a new arsenal. I don't know if that means he has different pitches besides the four steamer. I, I hope we'll find out. And and they're probably I hope it's a curveball or yeah. something. Yeah, I hope it's an off. Yeah, I pitch. hope it. Everything um, with him right now, he, I hope has movement. Well, we're gonna find out because I, I'd imagine he's gonna pitch a lot in spring so they can see what he can do. He's gonna pitch Sunday, so we're gonna get a chance to see right away. Anthony, yeah, Anthony goes is interesting. Uh, DJ Johnson has already been one of the player previews I wrote up. He's on the site. You can look at him. Interesting backstory there. He has been all over. He's been with the Rays, the Angels, the Twins, or the, the Rockies. Uh, he's been to Japan. He's been in the uh, independent leagues. In 2016, he worked in Portsmouth, Ohio, as at a lumberyard. Like, the guy has been all over. So I'm fascinated to see what, what goes on there just because of the backstory. Uh, I'm not really super intrigued by Heath Henry. Like, he, he's okay. He's been okay. He was, you know, crap last year. I'm sure he knows that. Blake Parker is the only other guy I'm really interested in. Blake Parker, a couple of years ago, like basically ditched his force to, or not ditched it, but he made a splitter more of his featured pitch than his four seam. And his curveball was better last year. Um, his four seam got absolutely destroyed, mauled. Uh, if he can like throw the curveball more and th- as much as he throws the splitter and, and kind of shell the four seam even more. I'll be curious to see. He's got experience uh, as a setup guy and a closer. That's the other thing, too. I think besides Perez, they might find a way to get one of these guys in the roster, whether it's Shaw or or, um, Blake Parker, because of the back end of the bullpen type experience they have. Because I don't think – and I'm really curious to see what happens in camp, the way they talk about it. They're not – I'd imagine they're not going to pigeonhole – Karen Shack and Class A into the closer roles. A, because they want to be able to use them, you know, whenever they want to be able to use Karen Shack like like Andrew Millet, right? They did that last year. That, that was the, the benefit of having Brad Hand, even though Brad Hand was, I don't know, he was good during the season. It's just, I, I always felt like he was going to fall off. Uh, we'll see what happens this year in Washington. But, you know, I think they're going to try to use Karen Shack like Andrew Miller. And they might try to do the same thing with Class A and maybe not have anybody locked into the closer's role. Also, for arbitration, you know, those two guys start racking up saves two years down the road, their arbitration figures right away are going to be, you know, higher. So not only can they deploy them as, as firemen in the seventh or eighth inning instead of being just the closer, they can also suppress their uh, arbitration wages, which, you know, the Indians would never do that. I, I agree with all of that. And I really do think Karen Check will be more of the Andrew Miller role. And, you know, it, it's uh, not going to be obvious right now, uh, but it could happen in the future. I would say just watch how other major league teams have operated in the past um, and watch for one of those hard-throwing starters 
who could end up being that closer, especially someone who could have arm problems. Now, I'm never going to say it today, obviously, and say, you know, Tristan McKenzie could end up being a closer. But that's something that very much could happen. I mean, you can look throughout other teams. They have starting pitchers who end up becoming dominant closers. So it doesn't you know, necessarily mean, like you said, Klaze or Karinczak are going to be opening day closer and, you know, Cody Allen for the next five years. You very well could see Cal or Tristan struggle and, you know, their arms not equipped to it. They might become that closer that other teams have used. And I wouldn't really put a high probability on it, but it's been successful for some other teams. And, you know, Tristan has an injury pass too. So uh, this is something that you could think about in the future, uh, considering that you do have a deep uh, staff throughout this organization and starting pitcher arms. I mean, we haven't even talked about some of the young draft picks that we've had who have some electric stuff that you and I've talked about last year. So I think you could see that happen. Uh, not maybe this year, but you know, maybe the year after. Yeah. I, I like the four arms they have. I, I think those four guys we talked about are going to be pretty good. I mean, I would, I think Wickren and Maton, especially Wickren because He's a little bit older, and, and I know he's arbitration eligible, so if they inflate his staff with saves this year because they just decide that they'd rather go with any of these other guys to be to be uh, fireman types and they, they leave Whitgren to the ninth inning, you know, that could inflate his, arbitra- or his arbitration numbers too, but um, they might be a little less worried about that. So I think it's just going to depend on how that goes, but I, I am curious to see how they handle that in camp, and that's why I think the guys like Blake Parker and Brian Shaw are interesting to, to keep an eye on um, in this battle just because of their back-end experience. And those are guys they don't have to worry about um, arbitration figures with and could kind of kind of handle lower leverage later innings if, if the biggest outs of the game are in the seventh or eighth inning. I'd love to see Kyle Nelson get a role in the bullpen too. Um, but, you know, his I mean, I'm, I'm not going to worry about his two-thirds of an inning that he pitched last year that were disastrous, but um, – you know, they could use a second lefty out there to go with Oliver Perez if that's the guy that makes the opening day bullpen. And and there's nobody better to learn from for Kyle Nelson than Oliver Perez. I think their arsenals are extremely similar. Uh, they're both only fastball slider guys, and Nelson's got a ridiculous spin rate on everything. So maybe it's good they're giving him a shot. Well, he's pitching in the inner squad game, so I don't know how that lines him up. But I hope he gets a chance too because he was, he was so dominant in the minors. It's ridiculous that he – the guy tops out at like 93 and, and he's getting just these ugly swings and he just has these, you know, miraculously spectacular numbers, flawless whip. And, and he's striking out lefties and righties in the minors and he throws 93 and you're like, how is this six foot left-handed kid <laughs> without electric stuff? Like just flailing hitters away and they're not walking and they're not hitting anything. Like, how is he doing it? All I can point to, man, is this guy's fastball spin is crazy and, the slider is ridiculous. So I, I'm ready to see him get a shot. I don't think he has anything left to prove in the minors. I 100% agree. And, you know, you look at those guys in the minors and you look at their arsenal and you're always curious of why it doesn't translate to the major league level. And you and I have talked – this is even goes to the offensive side. I mean, you look at it and you're like, man, this guy should be a good major league ball player. And then it just never ends up translating either between playing time or injury or stuff just falls apart. I mean, like, for example, I mean, 
I don't know if you remember uh, Stetson Alley from uh, God. He played a Saint. Um, yes, Saint Ed's. He's still around. I, he just signed with the I Rays, man. And you know, I played. I played. Ag- <laughs> I played against him in travel ball, man. He was 17 years old, throwing you know, 96 miles an hour in a first round draft pick of the Pirates. So it's one of those things where you look at that and you're like, this guy has this type of talent, like Kyle Nelson. You're just curious, like why does it never work? And he had ended up switching over to playing third base and then back to pitcher. And you could look at offensive side. You could look at like Dorsey's Paulino who just tore it up in the lower levels and just fell apart. Uh, it's just insane. Sometimes when you look at guys and you're like, their stuff is there, but it's not translating on the stat sheet only, but also with the team. And it's just kind of disappears. I'm hoping Kyle Nelson does get a shot because I am, lefty uh bias just considering i was a considering Obviously. i was a softball <laughs> but uh you know him ghosts uh you know this team is dying dying for a good left-hander you know besides andrew miller's role with us uh, you know and then cliff lee this team just has never really you know thrown that many good lefty arms out there you know rafael perez maybe uh you know they just really haven't thrown that many good lefty arms out there. And I'm excited to see some lefty arms. I'm hoping one of these guys do succeed sooner or later, and they could be a vital cog for this team. Man, the disrespect to Mark Sepchinski. That's, uh, that's brutal. You know, I can't, I can't spell his last <laughs> name, so he's going to have to stay off of my list. Yeah, we're not spelling this <laughs> <as a> podcast. <laughs> No one's asking me the spelling bee champ on a podcast as long yeah, as Yeah, but if I can't t- if Not I can't cool. tweet about you because I can't spell your name, then I just can't, I don't have a use for you on my roster because I if you know you do something good, how can I be excited about it if I don't know how to spell your name? <laughs> I used to have a rule with this friend. I used to he was he was a terrible speller and had had the worst name pronunciations or word pronunciations. I used to have this rule with him. I said, uh, if you cannot spell or pronounce the word, you can't use it. <laughs> Hey, I won the second degree uh, spelling bee competition. It's not my fault that he has a bunch of vowels and a bunch of Z's and Y's in his name. You know, that's his family heritage, and that's fine. He had a solid career, has more money in the bank than me, but um, I'll go. I'll I'll stick with Kyle Nelson instead. You can spell Anthony Coase, too. I mean, if he's You know, Logan Allen, I can stick with these guys, you know. I can pronounce their names. I can spell, you know, if Logan Allen strikes out the side. I can say Logan Allen with an exclamation point and get, you know, get my point across. Um, I do think we should get, I think we, should, I think we should get to the best part of this podcast and talk about uh, not, I mean, the infield and catcher is very much mostly set. Uh, you know, it just comes down to who's going to play shortstop Uh all year round or who starts out and everything else, but that outfield, man, I mean, I think we should talk about it before we finish up here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess. I mean, it just kind of parsing through Terry Francona's comments, this opening week in spring trading, you know, he mentioned, uh, you know, he brought up Billy Hamilton specifically in a, a question about the outfield and how they're going to figure this out. He said, you know, we're going to try to, get everybody on an even playing field as far as proving what they can do and uh, letting them earn a spot. Obviously, you know, Eddie Rosario is, has his name in ink in left field. And then you have Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer and, and uh, Jordan Luplo. I think, I think you could probably 99.9% sure Jordan Luplo is going to be on the opening day roster because he has that 
Lefty Nasher role. So it comes down to who is Lupolo going to platoon with, who is going to play center field. Um, you know, and he, and he, Frank Cona mentioned about Billy Hamilton saying, you know, in an ideal world, one of our young guys, you know, Mercado or Zimmer or somebody else is going to step up and claim a role. And that doesn't really leave him with the spot on the team. So he did mention that caveat. I don't want anybody to think that, okay, Billy Hamilton's here. He's going to be a, a starter right away. Like, I think, I know, I know we've seen precedent in the past it being a goofy thing. And, but I think a lot of people jump down their throat saying, oh, great, Billy Hamilton's going to be in center field opening day and Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado are going to be in Columbus. Like, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think one of those two is going to make yeah. it. I wouldn't be surprised if both Mercado and, like, I can see Zimmer platooning with Luplo in right field and Mercado plays center field and, and you have Rosario in right or in left. Um, you know, I'd like to yeah. see Daniel Johnson get a look, but. I'm almost positive he won't, and you have Jake Bowers is out of options. Like it, it's such so, a mess. I, I know this won't excite a lot of Tribe fans, but you know I've done a lot of doing my own research on it, considering I've written a lot of the outfielder previews. Um, I listened to our great friends over at the Selby Godcast talk about the outfield battle too, um, and you know I I was listening to Zach, and you know he said. He's like, I think Billy Hamilton's a lock for this roster. I also think Billy Hamilton is going to, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but he's going to be a lock for this roster. Will he start in center field? Absolutely not. He's not going to start in center field. I really do think Mercado will get that job, but I do believe they're probably going to want to get Zimmer AAA at-bats. So he will start in center field in AAA and get those at-bats. That defensive replacement, stolen base, hit against certain guys at the bottom of the lineup thing. I really think that's going to be Hamilton. I think that's going to end up being a very similar, like when Rajay Davis came back for the second type ordeal uh, is what Billy Hamilton's going to play. Um, and when they need him to come to the inning and play, he's going to. Uh, and I think he's almost, if I, if I was, I am a betting man. I can't say if I'm a betting man, I am a betting man. I have pretty high odds on him making the roster just due to speed and defense. Um, you know, I'm writing his preview right now. It's very unfortunate he was never a consistent, like, 250, 260, you know, 340 on base percentage guy because that's all he really needed uh, because the 911 times he's been on base in his career, he has scored 416 times. So he scores almost 50% of the time he gets on base, which is mind-boggling. Uh, so he's someone who's going to just – make the team due to speed. Uh, it's just where it's at. Now, when you move the right field, um, I wrote the other two guys who are probably battle for that other position besides uh, Jordan Luplo. Uh, unfortunately, even though I am just like you, I want to see Daniel Johnson get 400 at-bats this year. I think he's going to get those 400 at-bats in AAA. Uh, I think it's going to come down to Jake Bowers being out of options and having a good relationship with Terry Francona and, you know, Ben. Does he so know? You say that, right? You say that, right? Because there's been <laughs> times where Terry's been hard on him. But at the same time, I've seen quotes with him being optimistic. He's like, well, he's changed his swing and he's put the work ethic in like this or that. So I think just with him being on this team going on, I think his third season, unless he is the laziest guy, which none of us know, unless we could actually go out to Arizona this year, which we, I mean, unfortunately can't and, you know, sit there and watch his work ethic and see how he goes through, you know, scrimmages and everything else. We just got to go off numbers and, you know, experience. And I think just with him being out of options, 
he's going to get that last look. Uh, very much how many last looks that Tyler Naquin got, <laughs> unfortunately. So it's one of those things where you're yeah. going to see him get at bats probably. Um, unless he hits a buck 25 in spring training, I think he's going to get that April or May to prove himself. Um, I did my first write up on Ben Gamble. Uh, ben Gamble has a very similar profile to Tyler Naquin. Um, uh, you can literally even go down to their hair. Their hair is both amazing. Uh, but the only thing that's different between Ben Gamble and Tyler Naquin is that Ben Gamble walks a little bit more. Uh, so I don't really think he's destined for this team. I don't think they want a carbon copy of Tyler Naquin, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't out. think they want a carbon copy. So I don't think Ben Gamble is due for this roster. I think he's probably a cut unless he kills it in spring training. So if I was a betting man today, I think you have Jake Bowers, Jordan Lupolo in right. You have Billy Hamilton and Oscar Magato in center. And you have Eddie out and left. And Zimmer gets at-bats and Daniel Johnson's get their at-bats at AAA. Because I don't think Terry wants those guys riding the bench getting no at-bats in the major league level. So that's where I'm at today. Uh, I would also, if I was a betting man, if you could take a high number on how many outfielders will play this year, take the over. I don't care if it's at 10. Take the over. Because I feel like it's going to be 8, 9, 10, 11 guys. I think you're going to see a lot of them out there. Unless someone can really start putting the lumber on the ball and being consistent. Because we haven't had that besides the Michael Brantleys of the world for a long time. I would definitely hit the over on the outfielder thing. I mean, I'm with you on that alignment. I, I think there's a good chance that – I think there's a reasonable chance that's one of the outfield alignments to start in April. I mean, there's obviously a thousand combinations. If that's the way it goes, it'd be hilarious because your triple-A outfield potentially then is is Nolan Jones in, like, left field and Zimmer in center and Daniel Johnson in right. And your <laughs> triple-A outfield is almost more there exciting. Are going to be days. There are going to be days. Where your AAA outfield is better than your major league outfield. And that is very, very unfortunate to say. And I don't want to end the podcast on a note like that, but that very much could be a case. I mean, you really could have Nolan Jones and uh, Daniel Johnson killing it down there. And Rosario has a slow start, and Bowers is, you know, striking out 100. Uh, Bowers striking out Bowers. on a 40% clip. Uh, that's very much a possibility. So. You forgot about Ben Gamble, best Gilbo. You forgot about his ability to shotgun energy drinks before games in the dugout. That was like one of the coolest things I've ever saw. It also gave me heart palpitations. If that contributed to war, then he would be on this roster for 162 (laughs) games. So, uh, you know, I think that's impressive because I am also a caffeine addict. Uh, But while that's a cool skill to have (laughs) drinking wise uh, and getting yourself ready for a ball game, it hasn't caused the baseball to hit his bat. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, no. In the Rockstar in the Rockstar uh, Energy slash uh hair department, Ben Gamble is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got a cult following. His he has a Twitter handle. I gotta I gotta look at the Twitter handle because uh when Ben Gamble signed with the Indians, he started following a bunch of uh or a uh, bunch of this per- this account started following a bunch of Indians accounts. Let me see the Ben Gamble fan club on Twitter, and this is only 880 followers, but 
Um, it's just funny that a guy like Ben Gamble, I know this happens everywhere. Like Tyler Naquin had a, he was a right. first round pick. I know, but I feel like Tyler Naquin had such a, a cult following here for a player who was good for a half a season in 2016 and then had a walk up inside the park, walk off Homer. And, he, and I'll give Naquin this. He was really good in 2019. Right. With Tyler Naquin continuing on his path, uh, in his 2019 production before his ACL tear, I think he would have been uh, still here. Unfortunately, that happened. But it's just funny. These guys and you know, these, these cold followings, like Ben Gamble, kind of like you were comparing those two earlier. Ben Gamble, it feels like he has the same following. Like he's got these cult followers that even though he's not really a great baseball player, he's got all these fans. Yeah. And it's hilarious. So maybe they have more in common yeah. than you even thought. Uh, I think before we get on our thoughts for camp, uh, considering we've done both sides, um, I think you and I wanted to talk about. Uh, so I wanted to ask you the question before you asked me the question. What do you think the probability of Shane Bieber actually signing a contract extension with this ball club? Ooh, you know, I'm gonna go give me 40% chance, just right. below 50. Uh, I would be. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen this year because of of finances. Like I, I feel like the Indians are going to be like, yeah, we can't sign up a new extension this year because of revenue drop from COVID. Like I feel like they're going to use that uh, as a reason not to. And I and I feel like now would be the perfect time to do it because the CBA expires at the end of the year. The, if he wins another Cy Young or has another All Star season, like his price just drives even up more. So I feel like if they were going to do it, this would be the spring to do it. And if they don't, it really reduces their chances. So that's why I can only go 40%. I feel like right. even that I, might be uh, high. I'm, I'm hovering right around that one-third mark. Um, I think it comes down to COVID, ownership, uh, and willingness to be here. The only thing that does scare the living crap out of me was that uh, – I don't remember who quoted it, but it was one of the players when they were traded. Like, yeah. You know, we usually just talk within the clubhouse like, hey, when's it your turn to be traded? I don't think that's a really good lasting effect to allow for contract extensions with a lot of ball players with this club right now. So I know that these trades have been very successful for Cleveland with them becoming young and basically, like we would say, reload. This team has been able to reload over and over again and be successful. I mean, they'll probably be in that 80. 85 win mark again, but it hasn't allowed for them to reload and retool and restay with the same ball players that they've had. I mean, you could look at the 2016, 2008 through 18, 19 rosters. Those guys are all playing somewhere else besides Jose Ramirez. Uh, you know, it's, you know, you got a little bit of Shane Bieber in there. It's unfortunate. It, Roberto, Roberto Perez. Perez, you know, and Roberto Perez got a, a very, team-friendly contract uh, due to how great of a defensive player, ball player he is. And he can, you know, he has some opposite field power. He's not a very good hitter. And I know, you know, he's a fan favorite. He's a great guy. And he does have that pop to the opposite field, but he's still not a very good hitter. Um, So, but you know, you're looking at 20 guys that were consistently on this team for a couple of years. They're either traded or gone. So I don't think it, it allows for that comfort when you write an article or you talk to a fan base to say, Hey, Shane Bieber wants to stay here because they've like, well, we've heard that crap before. So it's one of those things is it's until you prove that you can dish out the money and keep someone like a Shane Bieber level who just put out one of the best 
I mean, if that was a 35 start season, those numbers would have been ridiculous, Justin. I mean, those numbers would have been insane. Um, if he has an, a full season like that, man, I don't, I think he's unsignable. I really do. Oh, he absolutely will be. If he has, if he, if he goes out and wins their Cy Young yeah. war, you, you might as well forget the chances of signing him to yeah. a contract extension. But like I said, who knows what's going to happen with the next CBA? Cause like I heard people today talking about how, like it seemed like Fernando Tatis Jr.'s deal was insane, but there are some people who think that after the new CBA is negotiated, that's going to look like a really reasonable deal. So we'll see how that goes. If you want to get some background on a possible Shane Bieber extension, um, go to IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Michael Moore wrote a piece, uh, I think in January. I have to go back and see what the date was. Yeah, it was, uh, it was four weeks ago. So this was a month ago. Um, he did a projection model based on some uh, other arbitration models and things he's built before. He does a lot with uh, numbers, stuff I can't even comprehend. Uh, but his projection model said that uh, extension for Bieber would look like seven years and $120 million. And he thinks that there's a chance that Bieber wouldn't even touch that. So that tells you where that's going to go. I don't really know if that's something he would accept, but that's a starting point. And I don't right. know if he ends up even offer it. That's, because that would make Shane Bieber the highest right. paid player in any history. Right. And I mean And he's yeah, probably and worth more than at that. that point in twenty twenty one, um, with the way that our market specifically is, even though ownership is worth more than that. Our biggest contract is in Carcione, and that looks you know, like peanuts to most uh salaries today. So I don't necessarily see it happening. Um so it's unfortunate, but it's where it's at, you know. If he, if he, we want him to pitch good, obviously. So we, I mean, we're just gonna have to deal with it. I mean, it's gonna be one of those things where, you know, revenue. You know, the CBA could be different, the ownership could be different. But if, unless there's like that humongous change, which most likely won't happen, it's just another. You know, when he gets closer in his arbitration years, where we get a haul for him and we move on to the next piece and we keep playing the cat and mouse game we always play. But, you know, the good part about it is we're better at it than most. So that's always the good part about it. Uh, I don't think this I don't think this team's ever destined for another like 60 win season uh, as long as they have the same infrastructure in place. Uh, It might not last forever, but I don't see it anytime soon, at least. I know we're going to talk about thoughts on camp, but if there's, we've, we've gone long enough, and I think that there's a lot of other weeks ahead to talk about what we want to see. We can we could be next week. Uh, but I did want to get out of here on one thing. Since you are the uh, – you're going to end up being the IBI re, uh, resident degenerate gambler, since nobody else is, so you, you're going to claim that, that uh, title by default. Uh, I saw an article today in ESPN from Mustard I sent it to you earlier, and he said – he said, take the over. He said, run, don't walk to take the over on 81 wins for the Indians. And that was a uh, odds from, I have to go back to my yeah. messages and find it. But yeah, I would, uh, yeah. Are you, as a betting man, are you taking oh, yeah, the I'm over taking, on 81 for the Indians? The, uh, the over on the win total for sure. I think you're looking anywhere 83 to 85 wins. Uh, you know, this team, if – they are in contention, might make a trade, and could sneak up to that 87-90. Uh, the Kansas City Royals and Detroit Tigers stink. Uh, and there are some other teams like the Baltimore. There's a lot of AL teams that stink that the Indians can beat up on. So I do think going 500 
is very easy for them. So I would I would walk all over that eighty one. Uh, so I think that would be something that I would bet on. Yes. All right, you heard it. Spencer's advice is not to go buy GameStop stock. It is to bet on the Indians over 81 wins. Yes, absolutely. 100%. All right. All right, man. Well, thanks for doing this with me. This was fun. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, follow Spencer on Twitter. You're going to hear him a lot more. And you're going to read him a lot more at scarlson29. Uh, you can follow the IBI account, official underscore BI, if you have not already. Um, you know, we're, we're 11 guys into our top 70 prospect rankings for the year. We're at 59. If you're not a subscriber, uh, it's $4.99 a month. Go ahead and do that. If you have the means to do so, we've got 58 other prospects to go until March 31st. These are running. So if you want to get a scouting report, all these guys and see our new rankings, sign up for that. We should have minor league coverage this year, whenever that returns, uh, looks like early April for AAA and looks like early May for the below that. We'll have coverage at Akron. We'll have coverage at Columbus. We'll have coverage in Lake County. Uh, we'll have coverage down in Arizona with Joe Koblitz. Hoping to find somebody in Lynchburg. If you're listening to this and you know somebody who lives in Lynchburg, wants to be a baseball writer, or you do live in Lynchburg uh, or around that area, hit us up. Let me know. Send me something. Um, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.